0: Hello everyone and welcome to the B2B Marketing Podcast. Um, My name is David Rowlands, I'm the Editor at B2B Marketing and I'm joined today by Joe Tiano who is the Managing Director at Accenture. So um, Joe, thanks for joining me today. Um, Before we get really into it, you've mentioned that diversity and inclusion are actually two really different things. Can you just please give us an overview of what the differences are and and how the two interact with one another?
1: Sure. Hey David, first off, thank you for having me. Uh, Really excited to be here and talk to you about one of the topics I'm super passionate about, um, which is diversity and inclusion. And as you just said, you know, I think it's become such a buzzword that people tend to use the term interchangeably uh, when they actually have different meanings, right? So diversity really is a, it's a number and it's a fact. So when you think about diversity, it is having people represented from different groups, you know, whether that be color, race, gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation, etc. cetera. It really is about the numbers, Whereas inclusion is different. Inclusion really is more focused on behavior versus the facts. So it's basically how you treat people. And so you know the terminology, people have used diversity and inclusion. Some folks say diversity, equity, and inclusion. At Accenture, we've actually flipped it. And so we say inclusion and diversity because we feel as though you need to lead with a culture of inclusion in order for diversity to flow. So for example, you can hire for diversity, but that doesn't necessarily mean that diverse folks will exhibit inclusive behavior. So you really wanna foster that inclusive culture first.
0: Okay, great. So obviously encouraging both diversity and inclusion is a good thing from a moral point of view. Uh, I I think we can all agree on that. But just purely from a sheer business point of view, just talking numbers, yeah, how important is it from that point of view,
1: do you think? Well, I think it's important on two fronts uh, in terms of why businesses are focused on it today. The first is really around employees. So coming out of the pandemic this year, the things that have just happened in the world in terms of racial injustice, you know, being at the forefront of people's minds, I think people are coming out of the pandemic really searching for purpose and meaning. And that really includes where you work. So people are looking at you know, who they spend their time with and where they're spending their time. And I think that they really want to contribute to a bigger purpose. Um, And so I think employers really need to focus on, again, that inclusive behavior because people want to go where they're celebrated, not tolerated, right? And I think the second factor for businesses is that we have more as consumers, we just have more visibility today than ever before. And so there is this transparency issue where consumers are holding brands accountable and so you know we all know about cancer culture you know we live in a a social media society one misstep by a brand and you know they will lose uh, a, a large number of their consumers so it's really important now as consumers look to brands to take stances whether it be on social issues or political issues really silence is not a strategy and consumers want to see themselves represented in where they, where they shop um, or who they do business with. And they're going to vote with their dollars. And if you don't, if you don't represent their values, they're going to take their business elsewhere.
0: Sure. And I, I guess following, you know, this follows on quite nicely to my next question, which is that B2C is arguably sort of leading the way in that, in that area, you know, in terms of creating campaigns that really incorporate clear D&I messages. You know, I'm thinking of, you know, Nike's adverts with Colin Kaepernick as an example. Um, but what do you think B2B can learn from B2C in this context? Because it's obviously quite a different world, but then I'm assuming there must be some lessons to be learned there.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because sometimes you know, we talk about B2C and we talk about B2B, but really when you think about it, at the end of the day, we're marketing to people, right? Businesses are made up of people in B2B, uh, just as, as you're marketing to consumers. Um, but I think that there are some nuances in terms of B2B and things that we can learn um, from from B2C marketers. I think the first is just knowing and understanding that imagery matters, right? So as marketers, we are the owners of the imagery, we're the owners of the brand, and making sure that we represent diversity in all forms, uh, and not just when we're talking about the subject of diversity, right? So um, obviously, you know, color is important, but also looking at You know, people with disabilities that are actually showcasing their abilities. Uh, What does a modern family today look like? Are we showcasing, you know, religious diversity, cultural diversity, all different elements um, in our marketing deliverables, I think is important. I also think language is important. So understanding the nuances in in our storytelling and how we tell that story. I also think that, you know, looking at research in a different way and making sure that we're looking at different demographics, not just around gender and age, um, is really critical and being bold, right? So you mentioned Nike and sort of the Kaepernick ad. That was really bold, in my opinion, and fearless. And Nike really understands their brand and what they stand for. And, you know, they, they took a stance on that, knowing that It would get supported by some consumers, but they also would lose some consumers. And I thought that was a really, really interesting and bold move by them.
0: Okay, so obviously there's a lot to do with, um, you know, companies showing that they are really supporting these things. But I think sometimes it's fair to say, I I think, that companies are just trying to keep up appearances, it seems sometimes. You know, there might be a company that has, um, you know, changed their logo to say to incorporate the pride flag. Um, you know, and it's done with the intention of lending support to the cause, which is, is obviously a good thing. Um, but, you know, in some instances, they're not really, you know, they might not have any DNI initiatives or they might not really be doing any work to, to help in that area. They're just, as I said earlier, they're just trying to keep up appearances. It, what are your thoughts on this, do you think? Do you think it's a good thing to do regardless or should it really be only done when the organisation in question is, is really sincere about improving um, in that field?
1: Yeah. I think, I think people are smart today, you know, going back to that transparency point. Um, so I think if it's, if it's not authentic to your brand, um, it's, it's going to be visible. And so I really do think that it's important to understand what your brand purpose is and and help that guide, you know, your decisions about where you're going to play, um, what issues you're going to take a stance on, uh, what groups you're going to support. Um, So really, you know, so I think first, you really kind of need to understand your your brand purpose. Second, I think uh, it's really important to acknowledge things like moments that matter. Um, And I know that a lot of organizations, you know, just coming off of Pride or Black History Month, you know, writing checks to charitable organizations and celebrating a particular month. It's a good first step. But again, consumers are smart and are going to question, what are you doing for the other 11 months? out of the year so for myself you know being a gay man i know during pride what brands support me throughout the year and which brands want my dollars um, during the month of june so i really do think that it's important that if you're going to go in go all in and look about and look at inclusion and diversity as a comprehensive strategy for the business meaning Yes, celebrate moments that matter, but also, are you looking at inclusive marketing in that function? If you are a retailer, for example, do you have inclusive merchandising? Uh, what does your training and learning program look like? What does your recruitment and succession program look like? All of these—you have employee resource groups. All of these things need to be knitted together as an I and D strategy versus a bunch of one-offs during different months of the year.
0: Yeah, and it, it feels like something that you know. Back to the the pride flag and the B two B logo as an example, it feels like something that might have flown you know five six years ago, but or maybe even a couple of years ago. But nowadays, like you say, people are people are smart and they'll just see through it. And you know,
1: I mean, you know. people people are looking at you know not only about you know. There is a difference between what you say and what you do, right? And so what you do really does need to match what you say in these areas. And, and people are even looking at things like political contributions, right? So if you are saying that you support a particular marginalized group, but then your executives are making contributions, you know, to political organizations that are supporting anti-legislation for that marginalized group, people see that. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's, so, um, <laughs> it's, it's certainly not a good look um, at the no. at, at least. Um, talking about, you know, actually actively doing things, encouraging diversity inclusion, I think, is sometimes kind of seen as quite an internal thing. It's seen as, you know, we need to ensure our team is diverse and then we're getting all different perspectives and and people from all parts of the world. And that's obviously a great thing. But in terms of outside the business, you know, how can an organisation encourage diversity inclusion through the work that they do as opposed to just the people they hire?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I always like to say, uh, you know, the question that's always asked is, do you support inclusion and diversity? And my hope is that, you know, the majority of people that answer that question will say yes. I like to shift the question to how do you support inclusion and diversity, which I really think gets to your point. And I I don't want to mitigate the, you know, the first point that you raised, because it is important, uh, particularly as marketing leaders, for us to understand the demographics of our team, you know, to ensure that not everybody looks like us, that we're getting diverse perspectives and, and really kind of creating a team, um, you know, not, not just around diversity as the numbers that we talked about earlier, but also the inclusive behavior so that people feel as though they can speak up, that they can share their opinions and there is there is nothing like retaliation. In terms of the external market and showcasing inclusion and diversity on that front from marketing, you know, I think it goes back to some of the things that I mentioned earlier, Um, imagery, right? I think imagery is important, but also language is important. I also think that uh, really working with your creative agencies uh, to ensure that they share your values, you know, in this area so that they are bringing creative to the table that reflects inclusion and diversity, Uh, understanding, you know, particularly in the B2B space, um, is your company selling inclusion and diversity offerings? You know, and if they aren't, should they? Um, So really kind of understanding at a corporate level, what is the company doing? Um, Going back to what are the organizations, you know, that the company support? And and are you marketing that? Um, So I think that there's lots of things that um, a B2B marketer can do today to kind of showcase a commitment to inclusion and diversity on the outside.
0: Okay, great. Well, thank you very much. Um, I just want to bring it back to your session at Ignite USA. For anyone um, listening, Joe also spoke at our recent US-based event, albeit virtually. Um, hopefully that will be physical sometime soon. Yeah, um, yeah we, we hope. Maybe at the end of the year, you never know. Um, but in your session at Ignite, you mentioned the importance of using an audit committee to encourage inclusivity. Could you explain you know, how these committees actually work? what they do, and perhaps how our listeners can go about introducing
1: one. Yeah, you know, the thing is, David, so many people, when when we talk about the subject of, you know, diversity, inclusion, or inclusion and diversity, uh, they think that it it is an overwhelming topic. And it easily can be, because there are so many things uh, that can be done, and, and people don't even know, you know, where to start. In terms of things like audit committee, it sounds very official, right? It sounds like, oh, you know, we have to come up with an audit committee now, and we have to have like a ton of people dedicated to this, and what does it mean? It doesn't have to be that hard and it doesn't have to be that big. So, you know, it's a first step. I and mean, we're going through this process now at, at my firm, but it can be just your team, right? I, I'm a firm believer that you always need to have a second and third pair of eyes um, on the things that you do. So again, I think it goes back to. Having an honest discussion with your team around what do we mean by inclusion diversity? So using myself as an example, um, you know, I'll, I'll use, uh, people with disabilities as an example. I want to show people with, di- people with disabilities in my marketing materials actually showcasing their abilities. So I want to see someone, you know, with a disability at a retail store shopping, you know, people in everyday life, not just spotlighting, right? the, the element of diversity but actually just showcasing diverse people living their lives, I think is really, really important. So having those type of discussions with your team so that they just understand what you mean by it, but also having those discussions with your creative agencies and understand, have they been trained? Do they understand what you mean by uh, diversity? Who are they bringing to the table from their team? Is their team diverse? Um, those things are really, really important as a first step in sort of formalizing an an audit committee process.
0: Mm. And look, I think that's great. You know, you say bringing a second pair of eyes on and obviously everyone's got their own, is, you know, a different race or from a different part of the world. And just getting a different perspective is always a helpful thing, you know, in in any area, particularly in business, is that fair, do you think?
1: Yes, absolutely. Cool. Um,
0: Well, This is quite a personal question. I I hope you don't mind, but I just, um, I thought it was, it was certainly worth talking about. Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) So obviously in June, we were were celebrating pride. um, And you are, of course, uh, you know, you're a gay man. So what challenges have you faced in your career relating to that? Can you give us maybe some insight as to what that's like? Because, you know, particularly from my point of view, as someone, excuse me, as someone who's um, straight, it's not something I can directly relate to. So it would be great if you could share your experience just so anyone listening can perhaps understand it a little bit better.
1: Yeah, no, that is that is a really good question. Um, You know, and it's one it's actually one that I think about often. So I get asked a lot, particularly when I talk about inclusion and diversity, about when did I come out at work? And my answer to that question is I am still coming out at work. Uh, it is not a one and done thing. So people sometimes make the assumption that, oh, you know, you're an out gay man, everybody knows it. The job that I have, I meet new people every day. I'm working with new clients, I'm working with new vendors, I'm working with, you know, new people on the team. And so I, I really mindfully have to think about how do I showcase my authentic self to this person? Uh, and before I even do that, you know, in the back of my head, I have to think about, what is this person's beliefs? Are they religious? What part of the country are they from or where are they from? Um, because I know not everybody is going to be okay you know, with who I am in my lifestyle, unfortunately. So I still have you know, a bit of a guard up with that. And then there is the awkwardness of how do I convey it, right? I mean, you don't just say I'm gay in the middle of a conversation. So how does it kind of, what are those natural ways um, you know, to bring to bring that um, my authentic self, you know, to another person. And for me, it's hard because I'm I'm single. I don't have a partner. I'm not married. I mean, I think an easy way for some of my peers has always been to say, "Oh, my boyfriend or my my husband." And so, you know, it just kind of um, you know it helps them have that conversation. So for me, it's it's something that I I really have to be mindful of. Um, but one way that I've gone about doing it is is a good friend of mine came up with this concept of. Who are you in five emojis? And I use that in every presentation that I give as my first slide. And one of the emojis is the pride flag. And I also have it at the bottom of my signature in email. And I do that purposefully because people will know either I'm an ally or either I'm gay. Um, And it also opens up a dialogue. But there's four other emojis because you never want to just be seen just for, for being gay, right? I want to be known for those four other emojis just as much as I do for the for the pride flag.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good um, a really good strategy, actually. Hopefully, if anyone's listening who's had a similar experience, that that could be an idea. Um, I I just got one, and and thank you very much for that. Cause it's a really I appreciate it. it's quite a personal question, but it's good to actually learn a bit more of what it what it is like. Um, but I just got one final question um, for you, which I'm, I'm hoping is a um, as will help someone listening, if anyone. Um, but for all the, the senior B2B marketing leaders who want to focus more on DNI, DNI when it comes to their organization, what advice do you have for them? You know, where should they start or what should they avoid? Because I think we can safely say that change starts at the top. So it's down to these guys to really, really put the effort in.
1: Yeah, no, I mean it's a good question. Change does start at the top. I think that so to your question of what to avoid. I always say avoid assumptions. So it just goes back to the, the conversation that you and I just had in terms of, um, you know, me being gay and coming out. You know, if someone wants you to know, they will tell you. And assumptions oftentimes are based on stereotypes. And we really have to caution ourselves about playing into those stereotypes and making assumptions about people. It's more about creating an environment where someone feels safe opening up to you and being their authentic self. So I think that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is I'm a really big proponent of employee resource groups. So for those that, those that are listening that don't know what employee resource group is, and, and some companies call them affinity groups, uh, these are groups uh, for mar- where marginalized folks get together for a cause, right? So there could be an LGBTQ uh, employee resource group. Um, there is a, a mental health employee resource group. Um, but they are as much for allies as they are for the marginalized group. And so I fully realized that not everybody uh, feels as though they have access to people that are not like them. I mean, human nature is we gravitate towards people that look like us and maybe we have something in common with. I think employee resource groups in business really give folks an opportunity to network and get to know people unlike them. And there is no greater teacher you know, than meeting someone and garnering friends and relationships uh, with people that are unlike you. So sort of getting out of your box and really kind of getting to know people that are unlike you, I think is really critical for leaders and to learn, you know, in the IND space. And the last thing I will say is, you know, you're going to make mistakes. Inclusion, and I'm not an inclusion and diversity expert. It's an evolving space. I try every day uh, to exhibit inclusive behavior and to think about new ways that I can do things and to challenge my own biases. We all have biases. It's about... You know being aware of them and trying to overcome them um and you know there's this great video that we did at Accenture called inclusion starts with i and i just i love the video and i love the title because it it does start with i it starts with the inclusion and it starts with you know me as an individual in terms of how i foster that environment so that's that's really the advice i would give
0: i think that's some really um good and poignant advice there so Joe thank you very much and generally speaking thank you very much for talking to me today so that was um it was really interesting it was um, fun it was
1: a pleasure thank you so much for having me
0: that's okay no worries at any time and um, to our audience listening um thank you again for joining us hopefully um you've got something out of today as well and if you'd like to ch- check out any more of our podcasts um please just head to wwwb 2 slash podcast thank you very much and goodbye